Welcome to the Believe Podcast, a conversation between friends over a passage of scripture. I'm Carolyn Kirsten. And I'm Marvin Williams. And today we are continuing looking at the Gospels. We're in sections of Matthew, Mark, and Luke that have so many different things from teachings to experiences. We're just calling it Jesus's ministry for the title of this episode because otherwise it would be too long yeah, to, right, to cover right. all of the specifics. So we can jump right, right in. in. All right. Yeah. So question for you, in your experience, when has commitment or faithfulness to a cause or person caused conflict? division, all of those things. Okay. I can't think of like a super dramatic example, but I think of times where this has for sure happened when, um, like in our parenting, whether that's, we said our kids were not going to have phones until a certain age. And that caused conflict. I mean, sometimes for our kids, sometimes between us and our kids (laughs) or, um, events that were planned on Sundays during church or, you know, some other opportunity where time where we had to say, actually, right. uh, we're, we're not going to participate in that, um, because we have this, this is a greater priority to us. And that, I don't know that it's caused conflict, but for sure, tension, tension. and yeah, awkwardness. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. I think for me, um, there are probably a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of areas. One is politics. Hmm. We've seen it over and over again, where um, if a person has a different point of view, and whether it's Democrat, Republican, or independent, um, that people tend to be so committed to a person or a candidate or a cause that it really does cause conflict and tension in their family. Uh, no family members who have not spoken because um, because one is voting Democratic, other is voting uh, Republican, mm-hmm. and it's it's caused great a great deal of tension. Now, something that can be fun, but it can ultimately cause conflict, and that is um, a sports rivalries. I knew you were going to say <laughs> sports rivalries, whether it is Michigan and Ohio State or Michigan and Michigan State. There, people can take their commitment to yeah. sports and the rivalry. So it, it's so serious that they truly caught there's conflict mm-hmm. between family members, friends, and some people have stopped talking to each other. I don't know why, but, but I mean, I, I do, I, I, I get it, but I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why that's the case. So, but that's, that's, again, that's, that's kind of, a lead into what we're talking about now. Um, one of the, one of the things that we're going to talk about in this episode is Jesus is so committed to the cause of the kingdom of God. He is, um, he is doing the work of ministry and, um, and it causes conflict in his family. Mm-hmm. And so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about, about that, but that's, I, I think we can be, so committed to Jesus as well that it does. Jesus actually predicts that it will cause conflict in your family as your as I am your supreme devotion. But but again, we're we're we have a, a number of passages to get yep. through. Yep. Um, and so um, so the Matthew eleven passage. Yes, we there, see that there is a section of verses Matthew eleven twenty eight to thirty that. Um, I was actually surprised as we're looking at all four of the gospels that this 
rather well-known section of verses is only in Matthew. So it's um, 20, Matthew 11, 28 to 30, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Great passage. Yes. And so it's interesting to me that that's one that's so familiar that only Matthew talks about it. So then I thought, and this is just Carolyn's imagination. <laughs> I thought, so why would that stick out to Matthew in right. particular? And so we know he's a tax collector. Um, his job was probably a heavy burden. Hmm. You know, it was hmm. not popular. He was a Jew serving the Roman government. Um, for sure involved a lot of details, you know, tracking those spreadsheets, whatever that looked like <laughs> back in those days. Right, right, right. <laughs> and I thought, maybe, maybe that's why. You yeah. know, he... Whether that was the actual tasks of his job, for sure there was relational burden that he carried because um, many would think you know, there's a conflict of interest there. Like you're a Jew and you're serving the Roman government. Um, I just thought, I wonder if maybe that's why that that was particular that particularly struck um, Matthew was that yeah, I do want a yoke that is easy. I I've seen. Yeah, the yeah. heavy. I am weary really and heavy laden, and I do need some rest. Yeah. So anyway, just my I, no. I love it. I love it, and uh, and he did. He did find rest for his soul, and he again became um, you know again one of Jesus' followers that won other people, mm-hmm. and who he probably wanted to see find rest for their souls uh, as well. And so I think that's a. I think that's a great. Um, I think that's a great insight. Um, and it's just interesting that Matthew was the only one the to only talk one? about it. So, the only one. Um, and so, so we we see in um, in a number of these passages, in the Mark passage in particular, uh, Jesus is um, is doing his work. He's teaching. He's healing, and crowds begin to gather around him. A lot of crowds. So, mm-hmm. so Jesus is doing all this work. His disciples are his roadies, you know, doing, you know, their, their assistance. And the text says that the crowd gathered so thickly that they did not have time to eat. So they're working and working and working until the point where they did not have time to eat. In fact, another place in scripture, the disciples said, Hey, you need to get something to eat. And Jesus said, Hey, listen, my food is the will of my father. And so, so he's not eating. He's doing all of this work. He's not coming home and his family comes and says he is out of his mind. He is doing all of these things. He is so committed to this thing. Hey, we, we thought it was kind of cool when it first started, but <laughs> now it is taking all of your time. It's, you're doing too much. It's too much. And they said he's out of his mind. And so, um, so, so I, 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 I can, I can see that where families are, the family members are concerned. Um, and then the, the religious leaders, so he's, he's not out of his mind. They make another accusation that's mm-hmm. even more um, um, kind of um, uh, hard, harder than than being called crazy, and that and th- that um, that accusation is what? Yeah, they say he's possessed by Beelzebub, and yeah. by the prince of demons, yeah. he casts out the demons, um, which Jesus says, "Hold on, that doesn't actually make sense. Right? Why would Satan cast out Satan?" Um, but I think in both of those cases, we see, or both of those accusations toward Jesus, we see differing priorities. 
Jesus knows, and we've seen that for sure. He knows what he is called to do. He knows his calling. He understands what God has had him come to earth for. So whether it's, Hey, you're not spending enough time with us or (laughs) you're, you are operating, um, under a, a wrong set of, and a wrong strength. Yeah. Both of them are, are not accurate. And, and so what can we, what, well, Can one we of, take away from that? One, one of the things that I I, I appreciate <clears throat> about this um, this passage, or at least one of the things that struck me uh, when you mentioned that um, Jesus said Satan can't cast out Satan, and then Jesus makes this statement: a divided house against itself will always fall; mm-hmm. it just will not be able to stand. And so there's, I think there's this sense for uh, Jesus is. Um, kind of clamoring for unity for, you know, his, um, his, his followers. Um, if we are trying to hurt one another, then our friendship won't stand. If our church is kind of bickering and divided over little things, our church will not be able to stand. And one of the things that I've seen over in uh, these last several years is the greater unity of of our church Hmm. from the staff to elders to deacons, just this great unity. And I think God is blessing our church with a level of strength. That's true of our families. That's true of our friendships. When we are unified around the kingdom of God, I think God gives us a gift and he gives us a gift of strength. He gives us a gift of um, this solid foundation that we can, we can stand. And, and, and I think what comes out of that is this greater love for one another. Now, again, that Jesus kind of says that in passing that a house cannot stand if it's divided, um, to make the point is that Satan can't cast out Satan. There's no way I can be of Satan and I am casting out Satan. I'm, I'm actually casting out demons from people. And so we see this. I, I think a great point is that a house divided against itself will will actually will actually fail. And so, but we see a we see an episode, another episode here. Yeah. Where well, and I think that even reminds me of our previous episode where we talked about judging. Yeah. yeah. And our tendency to point out the faults in other people instead of looking at our own. I think that goes right along with this. Rather than focusing on how we are different or the slight um differing in opinions, let's let's focus on what we have in common yeah. and what we agree upon. Yeah. What a I mean really, yeah. what a better way to live. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and the religious leaders did not they did not get to know Jesus. They made a judgment call yeah. without knowing all the facts. And probably some of them said, there's no way this could be Messiah and kind of just said, dismissed him as um, all these, all of these miracles can be chalked up to Satan. And so I think you're right. They, they made a judgment call, which mm-hmm. was, um, which was not, uh, which was not in their best interest. Um, but Jesus, he, he he has another there's another episode here that i think is pretty significant and um that talks about the compassion of jesus the forgiveness of jesus and um and what is that yeah so in luke um he is at dinner at simon's house a pharisee yeah and a woman comes in 
and she's called a sinful woman. Yes, I was just looking up to see exactly the wording. Yes, and that even the heading, which is not yeah, yeah. part of scripture, but the heading that was added in this ESV Bible says a sinful woman. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she comes in, has a alabaster flask of ointment, and she is at Jesus's feet. She's weeping. She wets his feet with her tears. She wipes him with her hair. She anoints him with this ointment. It is just a deeply personal, um, deeply humbling on her part, sacrificial act. I mean, just all the ways, whether that's financial, whether that's even, I mean, she has a terrible reputation. So to come into this environment, there was risk involved there. She is just completely puts herself in uh, a humble situation in front of Jesus. And his response um, is just completely... compassion again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, this woman, this, this alabaster box was of perfume. It was a, it was a family heirloom. So this woman gave all that she had to prove and show her devotion and her love, um, for Jesus. And, and, and probably because she recognized she had been forgiven much and, and Jesus says as much, uh, to Simon, the, you know, I came in, you know, you didn't, you know, this woman has, ne- she hasn't stopped uh, wiping my feet uh, with uh, with her hair and uh, she anointed me and all of those things. It says, Simon, you did none of that when I walked in. And, um, and, and Jesus says, hey, listen, the one who is forgiven much loves much mm-hmm. and the one who is forgiven little loves little. And, um, and Jesus is making the point that this woman recognizes that she had been forgiven much. And so as an expression of her gratitude, she just, she pours out her life. And, um, and I, I I think I, I wonder sometimes if we think that we weren't all that bad, Mm -hmm. um, that, that, that Jesus, you know, he didn't really have to die. He didn't really have to go through all of that for us. But the reality is we were separated from a loving God. And Jesus's death on the cross actually proves that we were that we were we were that bad. We were that sinful that we needed a savior to actually forgive, forgive all of our sins. And so so I love this demonstration of love and grace um, from Jesus. But I love this demonstration of gratitude from this woman who says, I know who I was. And I gave, um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to pour out my love for Jesus in that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's another example of someone coming to Jesus in humility and desperation yeah. and he meets them there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it shows us we don't have to clean ourselves up first. We can come just as we are. And if we think we've taken care of, yeah. you know, the ourselves pretty well and we just need Jesus to finish things up for us. That's misguided because that is exactly then what he says to Simon. Wait a second. Yeah. Don't don't think you've got yourself all together. I mean again it connects to that uh how we view ourselves and that out of the overflow of our hearts the good the good tree bears good fruit. Out of the overflow of our heart is what we will speak. Like it's not um, this manufactured outward behavior. That's not what Jesus wants from us. Yeah. It's not even who we truly are. Yeah. Um, and here we see a woman who just comes, comes as she is if, with complete humility and desperation. And that 
is what Jesus responds to, yeah. not Simon who maybe has some good ducks in a row and put on a good meal, um, but he's impressed with her. Yeah. You, you talked about, um, you mentioned when, even as we were preparing, that there's a result of humility and dependence. When we come to Jesus with humility and dependence, we, we find something. And um, I, I think you mentioned that we recognize our, our true selves yeah. when we come to Jesus with dependence and humility. Yeah. I mean, we really, as you said, we don't have anything to offer him. Yeah. It is not that we just needed Jesus to fill in the gap of the little bit. I think I've been reading um, David Benner's The Gift of Being Yourself, and he talks about that true self and the false self and all the things that we put forth as being who we are, whether that's a skill that we're good at or yeah. an ability yeah. that we have. And we think yeah. that's who we are and what we have to offer. And for a time, maybe we can offer operate pretty well in that. But the reality is, apart from him, we can do nothing. Yeah. We we and we all and the the more we recognize our desperation for him, the greater ability he has to work through us. And then we can really experience our truest self who is in desperate need of a savior and who has one. Yeah. Like we need Jesus. And we have. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, you know, we, we have an opportunity to pray prayers of desperation and, and maybe not manufacture desperation. Um, but, but maybe even asking God, because we, we have a lot, we, we, we have plenty of things that really, there is not this desperation like we see in Mm -hmm. the stories we've been looking at in previous episodes. And even in this one, uh, this woman was desperate to, to experience grace desperate to experience love and compassion. And she had no other recourse other than Jesus. And so even, even if starting to pray prayers, God, help us to be desperate for you. Help us to be desperate in our worship. Help us to be des- desperate in our prayers. Help us to be desperate for other people who are uh, not yet Jesus followers. And so um, so I, I think this, I, I, I just, uh, again, I love all of these pictures Mm-hmm. of Jesus working focused on the kingdom of God and so much so that he loses track of time he loses track of his relationships not that he hated his family but that he was like no this is what i'm called to do mm-hmm. and it leads so many people to make judgment calls his family members um the religious leaders and um they make uh they they're critical of him and without having all of the the facts they didn't get a, get a chance to know him uh, and we do, and we do see um, Simon also this this you know maybe it's a time for self reflection for him as well, where where the the king of the universe walks into his house and he gives very little to him if if no attention at all, and yet we see this woman who is desperate for grace, desperate mm-hmm. for love, and Jesus um, gives her grace, gives her compassion, and her response is this overwhelming sense of gratitude and worship. And so I love these pictures of Jesus. I love these pictures of how he deals with uh, individuals who come into his orbit. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm even connecting that back to the yoke is easy and burden is light. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, if Matthew, if that stuck out to Matthew, because he was <laughs> burdened by the expectations of others yeah. or even how he viewed himself. Like, okay, I am this tech. I, who I am is a tax collector. And with that comes all of this responsibility, all of this burden. Um, 
no wonder that easy and light burden. Like when we know I don't have anything yeah, yeah. to offer to God. I don't have anything to sweeten the pot or yeah, yeah. make him think better of me. I, I just come and he accepts, accepts me as I am. That is a light and easy burden. Yeah. Love it. Knowing that we can find rest yeah. in him. Love it. So what can we believe about God and what can we believe about ourselves? Yeah. I am so grateful that God is compassionate and that he accepts us just as we are. Yeah. I don't have to pull myself together. Yeah. I don't have to clean myself up. I can just come to him. And then, I, well, and I guess that goes hand in hand with what I can believe of myself. I don't have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just coming to him like that woman did with humility and desperation. Um, it is a good question to ask, you know, how... Are there ways I can cultivate, I need, I could cultivate a desperation for God or, I mean, it's not an easy question to ask because <laughs> I don't really want my yeah, circumstances right. to make me desperate. Could I become desperate without the yeah, challenging yeah, yeah, exactly, circumstances? Exactly. That would be ideal. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but knowing that that is actually where Jesus meets me. Yeah. yeah. That, that is really what I would want. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, again, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm double clicking on your first answer, which is this idea that we have a God who is compassionate. He looks at our sin, doesn't judge us, doesn't condemn us, um, but he receives us just like he did this woman. And, um, and so he loves us, he's compassionate and, um, and receives us. Now, just because he's loving and compassionate doesn't mean that he lets us stay in our sin and doesn't mean that he, he doesn't call us up Mm-hmm. you know, and cause us to grow. Um, and so, but, but the initial overture, the initial response is that I love you and I love you too much to leave you where you are. Yeah. I will shower you with grace. And all I ask, which is probably my second one, what I can believe about myself is this woman's, exa- it, this woman's example is how am I responding to this kind of grace, this outlandish, grace, how am I responding? <clears throat> am I responding in worship and gratitude? Or am I responding with, oh, yeah, it's it's just grace. Mm-hmm. And I I kind of deserve it. Or I'm entitled. Um and 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 as Christians, I think sometimes we can feel entitled to God's grace. But this woman was like, no, I am going to express my gratitude in a way that is over the top. And um so I think Believing, you know, that God is a is compassionate and gracious, and my response to that should be this gratitude and worship. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, friends, for joining us. Um, we do. We don't take that for granted. We are grateful. Yeah. Um, it's fun for us to have these conversations, and our hope is that you will have a spiritual conversation with someone in your life this week. 